0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex.
1: I'm Justin.
0: What's up? I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live at Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, X, formerly known as Twitter, or maybe you're listening later on Spotify, Apple, Android, wherever you get podcasts. It's all good. We love having you here. Um, And uh, Pete, I got to say... You were a little late today. Were you busy? Sucking on a cheesesteak.
2: Oh, man, you're fun, aren't you? <laughs> I have. I'm a. I'm a delight.
1: I'm an absolute delight. We workshopped that. That was a real... That's <laughs> we the kind did. of timing you got to workshop.
0: Yeah, we were talking about uh, this actually the other week. That When we were live, we would always scramble to come up with a bit. But this one, we planned out well in advance. Two, three minutes ago, something like that.
3: Yeah.
1: That's called preparation, guys. <laughs> that's what counts in this grown-up world we live in. We're grown-ups
0: we are grown ups but you know who's even more grown up than a grown up is somebody with a PhD Ooh. they're like a professional <laughs> grown up and we got one on the show he is the creator of Hammer of the Dogs which is out now ladies and gentlemen Jared keen PhD hey, hello right. welcome
1: welcome
3: PhD Dr. Keene is in the house. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Um, so just to explain that you are legit, you uh, have a PhD and you teach graphic novels,
2: right? Like, oh is- man, I miss my calling. That's a hell of a thing to teach.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, talk about that a little bit. How did you how did you get it is it graphic novels 101? Is it something that you integrate into your courses? How does it work?
3: It's a uh, what we call a 400-level class for English majors. Uh, I mean, oh, anyone top. can sign up for up it level but, you know i want to do uh, i wanted to do something with the graphic novel because that's what young people read and enjoy and um Agreed. frankly i was the only one remotely qualified to uh to teach the graphic novel since uh i've been reading comics well i learned to read from you know the spinner rack in my neighborhood uh-huh. that's how uh, i got into reading uh, i didn't read a proper novel until i you know entered college and uh, then like I, they made you. Yes, like I, made learned, you <laughs> I learned the pleasures of pure prose, um, but you yeah. know, I can never give up comics. How do you How do you give them up? And now that uh, works like Alan Moore's Watchmen is considered a you know top one hundred novels in the one of the top one hundred novels in the English language, um, I think it's time to uh, push even harder on this idea that comics belong in the classroom.
2: Nice.
1: No, now, that's not keen. To, how many comics hours of reading comics do you have to um, accomplish before you can just start calling yourself a doctor? And I, because I believe we've reached it on that.
3: <laughs> well, you know, you don't have to necessarily uh, read a bunch of comics to get a PhD. You have to like write academic articles about comic Ooh, books in order to prove your know, oh, bona fides. That's harder. <laughs> that's now, harder. not
2: too much, uh, not to spend too much on your teaching, but. Uh, in your graphic novels class, like what graphic novels do you uh, have your students read, or which ones do you kind of point Not out? Not to spend split. too much time on the topic we're talking about. Yeah. But here's a question. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, that's news to Pete.
1: By the way, you have a new freshman coming your way. You <laughs> Excellent.
3: You're going to love us.
2: Depending Vegas. on the curriculum, I mean, if you uh, you know throw out some once, maybe I don't sign up here. I'm excited to hear what we're talking about.
1: Wait, you're in Vegas, Doctor Keen? Yeah, Pete, I do. How much sweeter does this need to get? <laughs> Oh, man.
3: I should pinch Vegas. myself. <laughs> Vegas, baby, Vegas. Yeah. Or I'll make Pete pinch me when he arrives here as an undergraduate. But, um, he
1: does that.
3: He <laughs> no, uh, I just teach the works that you all are familiar with, you know, The Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, okay. uh, Mouse, of course. Oh, and then I throw God. in a little curveball here and there with, like, The Crow by James O'Var, yeah. uh, which I think is a powerful and emotional um, piece of um, comic storytelling. Uh, you know, I throw in some of the um, more celebrated, critically acclaimed uh, graphic memoirs like Fun Home, but mm-hmm. I try to keep it, you know, in the my wheelhouse, you know, which is like the, the mainstream American superhero comic in that prestige format that began really in the 80s with uh, the release of those books that I mentioned, you know, Dark Knight, mm-hmm. Watchmen, uh, Mouse, the stuff that I bought at the comic shop rather than the spinner rack, the stuff that I bought at like Walden Books or B. Dalton in the mall, uh, <laughs> higher price point and all that. So that's well, what they uh, I t- Go ahead.
2: I'm just going to say, I, you know, some people have their diplomas on the wall behind them. I'm so glad that you have comic books on the wall behind you because now I believe you're legit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's-
3: yeah. uh, well, we actually,
0: I was surprised. That's what I thought you were going to ask about, Pete, was the stuff behind him. We got a question here from Kevin. Uh, is this an actual <laughs> office on campus, fancy? Because for anybody who's listening just to the podcast, you've got this whole great uh, bookshelf of uh, comics and graphic novels back there. You've yeah. got a lovely window. It's still daytime where you are. Yes. Um, so
3: that's very nice. Is this your office or? This is my office. Can you believe it? I, uh, you're right. I'm, I'm living the dream. What, why am I? Why do I complain about anything?
2: <laughs> I know you shouldn't. I mean, you are living the dream. you got an office full of comics. You teach about comics. I mean, what more is there to
3: life? I don't know. Wait do you see uh, my wife. And then you're
2: gonna... yeah. <laughs> wow. You even have a wife? Holy crap. Wow. Uh, while,
1: while we're talking, though, about uh, sort of the, the curriculum, before we get to the, the book, like, I feel like you were talking about books that are sort of firmly in the canon, that yeah. we are like a revere uh, in general. What's a book that you sort of slide in there that you're like, you know what? This has a spot up top, book or books, um, that you feel like should be sort of yeah. on the shelf, the top shelf.
2: Yeah, just to give an example, something like Lock and Key or Mouse Guard, you know, something. What what do you think, though?
3: Donate um, Mouse Guard. Wow. I'd have to say Elf Quest, and I'm not mm-hmm. joking. I, I love wow. that. Wow, an Elf Quest.
1: Yes. All right. <laughs>
3: Outlast. I mean, talk about epic. story. Yeah. Like I was well, 80s. I'm writing a book about Jack Kirby's uh, solo work. I call it a solo work. The, the stuff that he wrote and drew on his own uh, once he left Marvel in, in 1970. You know, defected to uh, DC Comics to create mm-hmm. the fourth world. And then uh, when he re- returned to Marvel, you know, they let him write and draw uh, his own material, including Machine Man, uh, which was um, – a terrific title you know a uh, devil dinosaur he came back to captain america and the falcon i just um i i think anything that is you know ignored unjustly should be there should be an effort to like uh bring it back into the canon um because you know that's really what uh you know tolkien did with uh beowulf it was through his mm. you know really his efforts that uh, that the epic poem was reintroduced into literary studies, you know, in the fifties and sixties, It was because of his championing of this uh, uh, forgotten, misunderstood poem. Uh, and I think uh, we should all strive to find works that are, you know, deserve more attention and more critical analysis.
2: Yeah, like concrete. That's awesome. yes. <laughs> yes. Concrete. Great Pete's going to keep throwing
0: things out there, but yeah. why don't we? Turn and talk about your book because you did. uh, This is not the first book you've written, but this is the most recently released Hammer of the Dogs uh, that just came out a week or two ago at this point. Now, this is not a graphic novel. This is a novel is uh, I mean, this is kind of a silly question, but why that? I mean, given clear, clear love of graphic novels, why not try to create a graphic novel versus a wordy novel? is what yes. we call them here.
3: <laughs> well the, the first issue was trying to recruit someone that uh I looked up to to you know do the heavy work the drawing the illustrations and I didn't want to like you know saddle somebody with you know a project that maybe they you know wasn't their own idea so I just took it upon myself just to write the fastest most hair-raising fun thrill ride of a prose book that I could possibly muster and I don't know. I think I did okay with it. I, I uh, it, it, readers tell me that this thing moves fast, which is what I wanted it to do. Right. And yeah. I really wanted I want I wanted it to be a book like like the ones uh, you and that we grew up reading, like you know Stephen King's The Long uh, Walk, or I don't know. Those early novels are just so uh, fantastic. You know, Carrie Firestarter. Oh yeah. Um, just they, do
0: you know what his secret was? Uh, the cocaine. The cocaine.
2: Okay. <laughs> I mean it was. You can't say that like it was though. I'm sorry. That's I mean, why there's so maybe fast. it helped, but that's not the only he reason doesn't he doesn't remember writing several of those books because he was so it happens when you get old,
3: man. Yeah. All right, yeah. No, on. I didn't I didn't use cocaine, but I did use I did abuse coffee. Oh, okay. there we go. Yeah. There you. it is. That's like daytime <laughs> cocaine. Yeah, yeah. yeah so
0: illegal coke. Off topic of this thing that I I forced us into (laughs) talking about. uh, Why don't you give the pitch for the book? What is the book about for anybody who doesn't know?
3: It is a post-apocalyptic adventure novel um, that's set in ruined Las Vegas, starring a 21-year-old drone assassin named Lash, who's basically fighting to protect her family and friends from two warlords who have carved up the valley and you can see the Vegas backdrop there uh, on the book cover. Uh, That's the Luxor where yeah, you can
2: see the Luxor. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's where her drone Academy is housed in the basement of that um, property, which interestingly is where I worked for many years Um, prior to becoming a professor. I was an internal propagandist. I wrote the employee newsletter and did all these like spotlights Ah. on MGM Resorts uh, you know, people, including, you know, pastry chefs, uh, Cirque acrobats, you know, guest room attendants. Oh, that's awesome. It was wow. a world within a world. And I wanted to uh, convey some of that, um, you know, gang-like uh, tribalism uh, in this book, because I could easily imagine the properties on the Strip in a post-apocalyptic setting, you know, vying for control over, you know, resources like, you know, water, power. And sense. then... Uh, this weird thing happened where I don't know if you're aware of this. Las Vegas is a huge convention town.
0: Mm, so, all news, that. breaking
1: news
3: here so, on the comic book. People show. like
1: to go there when they're away from their families. Or something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so these drone tech com- uh, gatherings would occur in places like you know the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. We're talking like a million plus square feet of uh, of space, and I would use my employee badge to you know bust into these gatherings and survey and. Wow and check out all the new drone weaponry and it was really really frightening and then i started thinking about how nevada and las vegas in particular it's always been like a sandbox playground for the military industrial complex you know uh they got elon musk here building tunnels underneath the strip for uh for you know to ease the congestion of traffic on the strip and um
1: he has a room there where he just reads his tweets (laughs) aloud right so they reverberate <laughs> off the walls for himself.
3: It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, if we've yeah. got the history of atomic testing here. We've got Area 51, Hoover Dam. Las Vegas is always on the bleeding edge of technology. And so I thought, hey, why not uh, create this post-apocalyptic story in the vein of Commandy, the last boy on Earth, mm-hmm. where uh, the kids are struggling right. to survive and, you know, sniping at each other with drone tech. I thought that would make for a very scary uh you know hunger games-esque tale that uh with had a bit more bite to it i I love hunger games i love divergent i love all these uh Mm. ya dystopian novels but i wanted to go back to sort of the roots of the thing with uh you know like in the stephen king jack kirby uh 80s style of aggressive storytelling and so i just wanted to write the most aggressive you know um post-apocalyptic adventure i could muster with you know all these references to 80s hard rock heavy metal um you know and i've got references to 80s action adventure sci-fi fantasy films throughout you know i reference yeah. everything from dune to Kroll to tron to you know yeah. uh, last starfighter to legend to labyrinth and i Talk just like the
1: canon right here.
3: yeah yeah man. that's that's my canon back when stuff was fun And um, crawl, dude. Yeah, exactly.
1: Crawl's the one that always.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Which I had the comics adaptations of here. Oh my
0: god, that's I love love that. Back in the day, I read that so many times. The movie, I couldn't watch. Like it would give me a headache because it was moving so slow, and I'd be like, "Well, too much clave." Too much clave.
1: (laughs) Can handle the clave. Cat had <laughs>
0: absolutely
3: but also the big hits like conan the barbarian red dawn um you know uh, road warrior uh, th- those are movies that inspired me to become a storyteller and i just wanted to pay uh, homage pay tribute to those great works uh, by creating something new exciting visceral and like i said uh, really aggressive and to my uh dismay uh, and pleasure i got this book uh published with a university press, which I think is uh, is very interesting. I had to yes. kind of like go around the, or, you know, I didn't go around anything. They ignored me completely, but <laughs> <laughs> commercial New York publishing is just so, it's not like this. It, it, mm-hmm. it They don't care yeah. about uh, the way things used to be. They're only uh, interested in the new boring stuff that doesn't move me. I want to be moved. <laughs> I want to have a, a viscerally emotional reaction to things and Dawn of the Dead gives that to me. Whereas this other stuff they make today, uh, not so much.
0: Um, I got gotta, maybe a weird question, but given this is from a university press, why doesn't it say PhD? Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I don't think it really helps you when it comes to crafting. Up. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, sure. It might be a... Something they hold against you, you know, readers. Mm, right. Yeah,
2: exactly. If I saw something like PhD, I'd be like, whatever, big
3: time. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't want to get bored to death.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy's going to lecture me. You know, not, Frank
3: Miller doesn't put PhD next to his name. He doesn't have one, but I mean, he doesn't put, he wouldn't put, <laughs> he wouldn't put that next to his name on the cover.
0: Right. So. He also doesn't put DDS. That's another thing <laughs> that
3: he's not.
1: So there
0: you go. The, not to get back I to the I want a dentist asked, title on this. <laughs> I want DDS, the but. Dark Dentist Returns. That's what we've got to get. Yeah. Uh, mm. Since, now that you have the novel out there though, do you have any thought to turn it into a graphic novel? Like now that you're past the hope yeah, of cool. actually creating and crafting the story?
3: Well, if I can sell enough copies, obviously, uh, I think that would impress an artist enough to want to um, jump on board. But, you know, it's one of those things where um, I, I love it the way it is, like in its in current incarnation, in the same way that I'm sure Alan Moore doesn't want Watchmen to be adapted again into some other, you know, piece of crap that he doesn't like. But, um, Has he ever
0: talked about that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. <laughs> <I've been noted. laughs> I would rather this book be adapted into uh, a, an action telenovela Ooh. or a um, mm. piece of musical theater um, before it became oh, a, wow. a, a graphic novel. I'm really getting into uh, some of those cool old, uh, well, again, '80s musicals. You know, Little Shop of Horrors, mm-hmm. Crybaby, yeah. um, uh, even Annie. Like those were really, I don't know, they. Those were thrilling uh, musicals. And uh, The Wiz was very post-apocalyptic. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're... Yes, definitely.
1: Surprising, yeah, starting
3: points. And um, so I would love to see it adapted into an unusual medium. Like uh, like an interpretive dance or something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Jared, where can people pick up the book right now?
3: Yeah. It's at your Barnes and Nobles. I saw it at Target across the street from... Target? Yeah, Target. All right there it is Uh, i didn't see it at walmart so probably not at walmart but um it's at the uh all the usual places and of course you can get it um through bookshop or amazon uh, on the internet and um the university university of nevada press you can purchase it there but um i i hope that when when your uh, listeners pick it up and read it that they shoot me an email let me know if they enjoyed it uh i don't care about Goodreads and all that but you know email me and let me know if you liked it because i want to i want to figure out um how to write the second one and the third one, you know, where I send the hero Lash, the protagonist of Hammer of the Dogs into to um, into uh, outer space, put her on Mars and have her fight alien yeah. drone tech uh, from another galaxy. I think that would be a, oh, a cool awesome. part of the trilogy.
0: And oh, cool. if people wanted to take your class, how would they do that? Yeah, exactly.
3: Well, they can enroll here at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas uh, in the English department. You can audit my class, of course. Uh, That's one option, but yeah, you'd have to be in Las Vegas because I don't know if I'm going to teach. I'm not ready to teach an online version of uh, Mm -hmm. of my graphic. That's
0: all right. Pete already booked a flight to Las Vegas, so you're
3: good together. Yeah, (laughs) Pete, I would love to have you here. You know, bring bring a few bring a few friends. Uh, Las Vegas is a is a fun town. It's always great to bring friends to Las Vegas and meet new friends. So.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The friends you make in Vegas sometimes <laughs> last a lifetime because you're yeah. married to them. <laughs>
0: uh, Jared, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Good luck with the yeah, book. I hope the book does fingers well. Fingers crossed for the musical. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I thank know. You. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Jared. Have a great thank night. You. Later. All right. Once again, the book is called Hammer of the Dogs. It's out now. yeah from Jared Keene. PhD. Why don't we bring in our next guest? He is the creator of The Superheroes Journey, which I believe yeah. is out today. Patrick McDonald. Patrick, Woo-hoo! welcome. Yeah. Hey guys, how you doing? All right. Good. So today is your book birthday, right? The book is yeah. out in stores. How does that feel to finally have it out there? Happy birthday. Yeah, and I'm, I'm uh, excited to see
4: how people uh, relate and uh, think of this book. It's a very different book from Marvel. So I'm curious to see how it goes over. So far, yeah. all the reactions have been good. Yeah, I was great.
0: pretty bowled over by it, even yeah. kind of knowing what to expect and seeing the cover and being like, oh, okay, I thought this was going to be a Marvel art book because it's in the Marvel art book vein. But the way that you play with form here, the comic book pages and the history yeah. of Marvel comics is so fascinating throughout. So cool. um, where Um Where did the idea start? Like, was the idea to do a pure history of Marvel comics, and then it morphed into something else? Did it start with the morphing part or where did you come from?
4: (laughs) You know, it started with, uh, I I had just finished a book. I actually did a book with the Dalai Lama called Heart to Heart. It was a a graphic novel, kind of a graphic novel about the environment. And I didn't know what do do I do after that. And then uh, Charlie Kochman from Abrams Books uh, asked me if I would like to play with the Marvel characters what artists wouldn't want to play with the Marvel characters. I mean, that was her childhood Fresh season. off
1: talking to the Dalai Lama, you're like, look at these Marvel guys. Like. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those <laughs>
2: Dalai Lama, Marvel characters. I mean, yeah. it's right there, you know what I mean? <laughs>
4: and uh, so, of course, I said yes. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with them. Um, I knew I wanted to, uh, you know, I did, in thinking about it, I couldn't help but go back to my childhood. I mean, you know, how important those early comics were for me. I mean. I grew up in the 60s i was lucky enough to see jack kirby and stanley and steve dicko invent all that stuff in front of my eyes uh, yeah, yeah wait a month for the next one that's uh, uh
2: that that's what i really loved about this is it's it's very moving it's a real kind of love letter to comics as a kid and kind of like that magical time of like First, reading comics and having it kind of just blow your mind with possibilities and creativity. You know, I think everyone relates
4: to that. You know, for me, my first comic was X Men number 11. And, uh, oh, wow, yeah, still, wow. One my, still one of my favorites. So, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a memoir, but, you know, in thinking about comics, I couldn't help but, you know, think about me as a kid just being totally fascinated with that world. So that became part of the book. Um, I knew I wanted to draw as many characters as I could. So uh, Fantastic Four annual number no. three where uh, Sue and Reed get married was, uh, was an inspiration because that book had every Marvel character on the cover and yeah. most of them inside the book. And the two quotes, the two Jack Kirby quotes that start the book and end the book were really inspiring. Hmm. You know, the first quote where they ask him, if, uh, it was in a telephone interview, they asked jack if he had one superpower what would it be and he uh, immediately said love and i just thought yeah so it's, it's really it's a love letter to marvel and a love letter to jack irby in particular that's and
0: awesome. I, I mean I, I think there's probably an obvious reason for this but why do you focus around the fantastic four because that's how it's introduced a lot of it is with reed and doom and the watcher and they're the heart of that but why was that important to you
4: you know it, it, it's funny uh you know it really centers on reed richards and the watcher and to be honest, if you would have asked me before I did the book that I'd have Mr. Fantastic as the main character, I, I wouldn't believe you. <laughs> because, uh, he's fairly boring, boring, and he's not really Great. fun to draw. I mean, no one here is fun to draw in Iron Man wow. or man or Giant Man. You oh. know, it, it, the book's also a spiritual journey, and I just think The Watcher is one of Jack's greatest creations. I just think... Uh, He's such an interesting spiritual character, so I knew he was going to be a big part of the book, and it just made sense that it would be Mister Fantastic and him that would do this journey together. What was and the draw then, to Mister Fantastic? It just happened. Was it? Is it like sort
1: of? A, he's like has like the father figure in the Marvel universe a bit. The sort of like. Uh, trust you can trust him. He's sort of like uh, can is is the brains. He'll get he can stretch, figure things out. Like is that part of it? You think, yeah, or well, what, it, what was it you for know, you? It's,
4: it's that, and it's you know, boy. I mean, Jack put a lot of spirituality in his work, and you know, the watcher, the I, you know, from all the spiritual books I've read, you know, the idea of just watching and not interfering, like you know, that is just a. Theme in a lot of spiritual books, just that you uh, watch the universe and um, take, you know, see the the beauty in everything. And I just thought, and that, and to me, the like the book starts out with the watcher saying that um, the most. I'll read read the quote.
1: While you're looking up, I just want to say the. The art, there's so many great pieces of art that you've, that are in here. Like, I really love them. They stick out so,
4: so much.
0: Well, here, why don't you read the quote and then we can get back to that?
4: The whole of life lies in the verb seeing. And I think that's what the book's about, like, as a kid, Mm -hmm. what you saw in those comics and how they moved you and uh, just seeing all the beauty around us. With Marvel Comics being one of the things with the beauty around us.
0: Um, I I think this is what Justin was getting at a little bit, is you have, I don't know if you'd necessarily call it mixed media, but it's definitely mixed formats in terms of using the actual Marvel art from back in the day, mixed with your art. For example, maybe I'm wrong about this, but we're looking here on the live show at a picture of Eternity that looks like it came straight out of the comics with your drawing in the background of what I assume is a church or some house of worship. how did you put that together? How did you choose to structure things artistically in that way?
4: Well, you know, I thought it would be great to have uh, Jack and Steve Dicco's artwork in the book and Stan's stories. So it's a mashup of my work and their work. And um, and even with my work, I was doing these really huge paintings of uh, Marvel characters, and I was able to incorporate them into the story, too. So there's a, a lot of different looks, but somehow it all works together. I mean. My art next to Jack Kirby's or Steve Ditko's, I think um, it's funny how you could, it it doesn't stop you. The the story just continues. I think you have, you know these characters so well, you just really follow the characters in the story. And I think uh, what I was trying to capture, not their look, but the energy and love that they they had in their, their work. I was trying to capture some of that, some of that cosmic magic those guys did. Uh, there's a
1: passage in here that I wanted to just hit real quick, where the watcher gives Reed a no prize, which <laughs> yeah. is, uh, and and you find the way to make the fact that you you pointed out. Well, explain what a no prize is, and then f- explain the spirituality that you sort of uh, unearthed uh, connected to it. Because I really loved it. Yeah, well, there's a lot of the things that
4: uh, stand marketed with in the '60s, and I always loved the idea of the no prize and the no prize was an envelope with nothing in it, but a nice drawing of the Hulk telling you that it was a no prize. And if you wrote a letter and you found a mistake in a Marvel comic, you would get a no prize. And that's actually my no prize. Um, from many. You women. have one. And um, ah. so in the book, you know, Mr. Fantastic is getting frustrated and can't find an answer. So the, uh, the watcher says maybe the answer lies in this envelope and he gets the no prize. And then uh, basically, the, he sees that there's nothing in there. And the watcher says that, you know, don't desire anything. Don't need anything. You know, it's the uh, the gift of nothing. Is what, it
0: is. what was your yeah. what was your no prize for? What did you get a no prize for? Do you remember?
4: You know, I, I, to tell you the truth, I don't because they after a while, they you didn't have to have a letter printed to get a no prize. Because I remember I wrote in the letter and I don't. I I was young enough that I don't remember what I. When i caught but i knew the letter didn't get printed but i still got a note prize which was
0: really mm. you caught the fact that there uh, a spider man couldn't possibly exist right <laughs> a mistake that they made um you mentioned this earlier and I, I think you touched on this a little bit but i thought it was very interesting to ta- hear you talk about this as a spiritual journey how much do you think this book was changed based on the fact that you had just done a book with the dalai lava do you think that was very much on your mind going into this
4: yeah, I would I, I would think so. Um, you know, I think there's uh compassion, you know, even in my Mutts comic, I mean, compassion's a major a major theme. And uh I think that's always been part of my work, but uh, after having just visited the Dalai Lama, um it was definitely uh it's it's always important to me, but it was definitely on the front burner for me.
0: And does the Dalai Lama have a favorite comic book? Character? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs>
4: I didn't get a chance to ask. <laughs> oh, all right.
0: Do you, I mean to flip it back to you though? Uh, you know, you talked about not really loving Reed. You like drawing mm-hmm. Iron Man, but is Iron Man your favorite Marvel character? Is that the one you identify with, or who
4: who's your guy or girl? You know, for me, I, it's funny. I, I growing up, I had two brothers, and my older brother uh, let us. He chose which books we were allowed to collect. Ooh. So. Uh, he collected pretty much everything and I got the X-Men, which ended up <laughs> being great because I love the X-Men. So to this day, the early X-Men are still my favorites. Well, yeah. Awesome.
0: Uh, I know the book has only been out a day, but have you had any reactions if you got out to a store and see <coughs> seated on the yeah. shelves or anything like that?
4: You know, I was at the uh, Baltimore Comic-Con. Hey, oh, all right. We were there. Yeah, you know, I, I saw that you guys were there. But, um, you know, so people saw it the next day came back. And, uh, yeah, people you know, people relate to that love of comics. I think uh, Mm -hmm. I've gotten nothing but really great reactions from it. So I'm really excited.
0: Awesome. Uh, Well, Patrick, what is I know this just came out, but what is next for you at this point? Do you have something (laughs) lined up that you're already working on or you're just letting this sit for a while and then go from there? you know,
4: who knows? I I the, uh, <laughs> like, like the watcher. I'm just watching and see what happens next. Um, I never thought I would have done a book with the Dalai Lama. I never thought I would have done a book with the Marvel characters. So, uh, boy, I'm just keeping, uh, keeping things open and see what happens next. I, I tell you, I enjoyed this book so much. I wouldn't mind doing some more Marvel books. You, it was, uh, you can tell you need to it's sit cool.
1: down with the watcher himself.
4: <laughs> it was the most fun I've ever had in the book. And even, even at the Baltimore Comic Con in every book I would draw, you know, I would ask the uh, person who purchased it who their f- favorite hero was and I would draw it. And I tell you, sp- spending a day just doodling Marvel co- characters is, a, is a, not a bad life. Awesome. Nice. Would, you, yeah. would you ever want to do
0: a DC one or are you always a Marvel guy?
4: Well, you know, as a kid, I was a Marvel guy. But yeah, no, uh, you know, I, actually, I'm a Jack Kirby guy. And I think the New Gods are my favorite books at all. So, um, oh, wow. you know, that, that could be a possibility. But uh, I'm just a comic guy, you know, live and breathe comics between Charles Schultz and Crazy Cat. And, uh-huh. you know, just any, anything, pictures and art. That's what it's about, pictures and art. Couldn't There's agree more. Words art. <laughs> yeah.
0: Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on the book. It's wonderful. So good. Um, have a great night. Okay. Thanks so much, guys. All right. All right. take care. Later. Oop, I cut him off. Uh, but classic Patrick Donald, self. the classic Zalvin,
2: The Superhero's Journey. Definitely check it out. It is Yeah, it's very today. touching. Uh, beautiful story, so well put together Really cool, It's, re- it's a the great adventure. media
1: yeah. Yeah. The mixed media nature of it Yeah, and
0: again, like we were talking about It was not what I expected going in at all But it yeah. takes you on this very emotional journey Like we've been talking about So check it out everywhere from Abrams Books Yeah And we are going to move on with our next section Which is my favorite section Because you all make it up It's your audience questions And this is the audience questions march, everybody yes, uh, Is it?
1: Before. March to the audience section portion. Um, I, I do want to just before we get too far, there's a question from Edward Doherty on the no prize that I think might be a good kickoff.
0: Um, still that sure, absolutely. Let me just turn down this jamming music here. So Edward Doherty does bring up you had to notice a mistake and then suggest a solution to get a no prize right. He is, in fact, correct. Edward, you have won a no prize for hey, the show. No prize for Ooh. you. No prize for you. No we prize for you. We will be donating you. zero dollars in your. You name get to a no, no prize. Charity. You so get a no prize. Congratulations, Edward. That's wonderful. Now, as we all know, every week, Brett Macris, aka Straight Bullet, aka the Chef. I thought you were gonna say "straight bullies." <laughs> yeah, keep you on your toes, you man. Always, you Eighty years keep...
2: of doing this, you know. I gotta keep you on your toes. You always keep it fresh. You're like yeah. Kevin Smith in that quote. I'm straight here. bullies.
0: Anyway, uh, yeah, he <laughs> always <laughs> curates a drink this week. I think it's National Coffee Day. He said on Friday, so he's Ooh. curating coffee drinks. I will say well, it was a little late for me to have some coffee. You know what I'm talking about, though. And oh, really keep me up for all real, right, you know, old kind of man, boy oh
1: boy yeah.
0: uh, so I'm, I'm just having a six point Bengali there you go oh, at nice. you. yeah it's good what about you Justin
1: uh, I've got a uh, sort of a tequila it's almost like a tequila Negroni uh, you might say mm. in that neighborhood with grapefruit tequila and I'm moving over to uh, keeping it local with the Brooklyn Lock nice
0: and Pete, you're still working through Pony Pony Boy.
1: That's
2: stay, right. I'm stay, I'm staying golden. That's right. Stay golden.
0: I was going to say stay fresh, but that's wrong. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: that's uh, Subway. Eat fresh. Yes, <laughs> but that's uh, also
1: what Pete's doing.
0: I don't know how fresh Subway is. Yeah have you Have you ever have you tried the Subway beer? It's pretty good. They oh, have the it's a meatball sub IPA. That's like very good. <laughs> If you leave any
1: Subway sub in your fridge for long enough, it becomes alcoholic. And by long enough, I mean 45 to 50 minutes.
0: Uh, Well, listen, uh, we got a question here. This is from Edward. Does Jim Hanley's closing represent a problem with the industry? What are those problems in your opinion? You know, there's been a lot of talk about this online, not just specifically about this, but just in terms of like quality of life for comic book creators quality of life for comic shop owners and people who work there um there's also been a lot of and i don't say this derisively but like hand-wringing coming from people in terms of the industry is it on a downward trend right now is there a lack of creativity is there a lack of sales all of these things that are questions there's no like there's no bubble bursting or anything like that, but there's also no bubble to begin with. So I think the impression yeah. that everybody is getting is it's sort of like a slowly deflating balloon is what's going oh, no. on. Uh, well, what do you guys think? What's your take on this? Let's just do a real quick state of the comic book industry. Go ahead. Justin.
1: Yeah. Good. We're definitely the people that have the best answers to this question. Mm-hmm. I mean, specifically with this as the prompt, I, I think it's just harder to run any sort of business in a major metropolitan area because, People who want to like younger people, people who want to buy comics, aren't like wealthy real estate uh, mm-hmm. investors from around the world. So they don't live in Manhattan anymore. So it's harder to have a store there. I actually think smaller town and suburban comic book stores seem to be doing better uh, because they are also gathering places for different things. And and it's just it's a bummer that a, a institution like Jim Hanley's is closing, but it's more of a City problem than in comics industry problem, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. They gotta honestly, like, pandemic's over, open things back up. That's what you're saying, right,
1: Justin? Right, I'm not saying that specifically, I'm saying more, (laughs) (laughs) I'm saying (laughs) cities are not affordable anymore. No,
0: 100%. I mean, I think the things that I've been seeing, and this is obviously my very specific experience here in New York, but. Occasionally, I'll go buy Midtown Comics because it's near my office, and it's usually pretty fall. There's a lot of people in there constantly buying stuff, even not on a Wednesday. Um, and I think that's the reputation they built up is, like, they are currently the flagship store in New York, maybe on the East Coast, possibly in America, just in terms of, like... They're clean, they're friendly, they know how to manage their stuff, they do a good job with all of that, and they've gotten that reputation going for years, so people know to go there. And then they've also got several central locations. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I think you have things like an Eddie One Comics in Brooklyn, which, to your point, creates yeah. a community around the shop, and that's what keeps people coming back there. Or I've been taking my son to Galaxy Comics right in Park Slope, and that also usually... I don't, it's not packed even on a Wednesday, but there's usually a couple of people there anytime we go in. So I assume they're doing okay and it's, they're friendly and nice and it's a centralized location um, that it works. So there's strategies there, but Jim Hadley's having a place in the Empire State Building.
1: Rent's got to be a little high. Got to be expensive over there. Yeah. And also, just... we can't forget about the digital side of it. Like, um, mm-hmm. most people are reading their comics not in paper form.
0: So. The That's true. But with the implosion of comicsology, I do think it's made it a little more confusing how and why, when to buy comics. Um, so, I don't know. I think... Comic shops got to figure out a way forward to recapture that interest because there is a real possibility of having them as a community hub again now that digital is like on the rocks but but we'll see we'll see yeah it's
2: just it's it sucks it's 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 heartbreaking because uh, comic book shops um, are just such a cool place to go they're very fun all, all yeah. of them are unique and they all have kind of like a, a different kind of vibe. And I love going into different comic book shops just to see what their deal is, you know, what, mm-hmm. what they're about and how they kind of set up. So uh, it's heartbreaking that, uh, that, that you know, I wish more people would choose comic book shops as a destination. And, uh, yeah, it sucks when a comic book shop isn't doing well. So that's uh, that's heartbreaking, man.
0: And, and one thing, I know I've said this one kabillion times over the course of while we've been doing the show, digital doesn't hurt brick-and-mortar stores. It, it just doesn't. Because if people like the comics, they still want to buy them physically. Like, I think the best example of that is The Walking Dead, where, as reported on the Comic Book Club news podcast, they are releasing a oh. 20th anniversary box set, which is just like the same eight volumes that everybody has in four different chunks now in a box, and that's it. But they'll sell oh them. man, in a box, in a box. It's oh, actually I got to go to the store and a, get one. Then. it's a very nice slipcover box. But I think it points to the fact. Obviously, Walking Dead is an extreme case here, but people will keep buying these books like they own them, and they will keep buying them over and over in different iterations. Or new people will come to them, and I think it's the same thing with like. Obviously, those top-tier things, like uh, Scott Pilgrim, I think, is a good example, or probably Heartstopper Mm -hmm. is up there right now. You've got the stuff that Jarrett was talking about earlier, like your Fun Homes and your Persepolis that are just perennial sellers. Mm -hmm. Um, Watchmen, there's been a million different versions of it. So people own this stuff, but they want to own it in different capacities. Digital doesn't hurt it. It can only emphasize it, and both can exist at the same time. But they got to figure out that they're not at war with each other, or at least the comic shops need to figure out they're not actually at war with digital. Yeah. In any case, we got a bunch of other questions here. This is from Francisco Rosa. Which comic characters would you have liked to have as a college
2: teacher? Well, we all know uh, Wolverine took over uh, teaching the school, and that was just glorious. I mean, mm-hmm. who would want yeah. to take his class? You know what I mean?
1: And that was seen as a spectacular success, and he's the Professor X in going forward. In general, everyone would agree. <laughs>
0: Who would you want, Justin? Who would you want as a college teacher?
1: Sandman. Huh. Which one? Uh, and I know what Morpheus? you're thinking. Morph. I wasn't. I was actually thinking the one that's made of sand.
0: Oh. 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 That Sandman? The villain the
1: Sandman. Flint the Marshall. actor? Yeah, exactly. He's a great yeah, actor.
0: Thomas Hated Church? Is this a
2: Thomas Hated Church thing? Yeah, exactly. No.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> love mean, him. For wings. You love
2: w- Wings. You're always talking about I love Wings. wings.
1: Yeah. Look, I am always talking about wings, and if you want to go have some fun,
2: go watch some wings. Oh, like, if you're looking for a don't tell wing. people to go other places. Who hey, are everybody, I'm listening.
0: Sandman, and this
2: is Wings 101. Just to be clear, <laughs>
0: for anybody who's here, this is not Buffalo Wings, this is not Spicy Wings. We're talking about the show Wings, okay? I'm out.
1: Yeah, and I'm Sandman, not the dream guy. I'm the beach guy. <laughs> the beach. So, beach uh, guy. Half, half the class gets up
0: and <laughs> leaves. Uh, oh, my no, job isn't 20 beach, 20 I am beach. Just to be clear, that's topical. You kids like that movie.
1: I was taking a class about dreaming about wings. Buffalo wings. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. TV show wings by Thomas H.
0: Yeah. How did they how did they grade that class? How did they grade it? Uh, why don't we move on? This is from Kevin. Beside comics, what would you teach? A college class about your teaching as an adjunct and don't get an office. <laughs>
2: uh, wow, Kevin, not not get necessary. an office. Come
1: not on. Necessary. Kevin.
0: I would teach Kevin, a class so of Kevin being mean.
1: Yeah, Exactly. I would take over for Kevin's puppetry class and fire him from this adjunct <laughs> professorship and kick him out of his office.
0: Yeah. But really, though, if you could teach a college class about anything, what subject do you think
2: you could successfully apply?
1: I guess podcasting with frenemies.
2: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I was going to say Ted Lasso 101 I could do. Uh, no, I, obviously, I've already so short, taught you improv, teach
1: so... It. It's true. You are a a storied improv teacher. Pete, you could teach a Ted Lasso
3: 201, I think. And a 301. It
1: doesn't have to be entry level. Welcome
0: to Ted Lasso 201, where we watch Ted Lasso 201 times. Is that what that
1: means? Essentially.
0: Uh, this is from Stray Bullet In the Slack, we had a very long thread based on my sarcastic post about wanting Tom King to take over all of D.C. Does knowing Tom King is ex-CIA make you second-guess reading his work?
1: Now, we should explain a little bit of Slack backstory on this. Slack uh, story, if uh, you will. Slack, Slack story. Yep. You join the Patreon, you get to be part of our Slack. Where you, you get, get to get in
2: fights with people be... that you don't get to meet in real life. So it's not it's even a
1: fight. <laughs> this was a debate amongst Probably a, a almost a dozen people, I would think, over the run of it. That was an ongoing. Po- it was like two hundred and fifty plus posts in the thread currently. Wow! So it's and it's fascinating. It's a great discussion about Tom King, what it means uh, to be an artist, what like their life before, during, and after their work should be, and in relation to their work. It's really well, good. You. Um, so like. Oh,
0: I thought you were going to comment on a text.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, I was going no. to, but then I had to sneeze. Okay, <laughs> okay.
0: I Well, I'll, I'll throw out there. We talked about this a little bit. By the way, I'm going to take this question away because you're basically Wilsoning out right now, Pete. Um, the, <laughs> the thing that we talked about when we were talking about Wonder Woman number one with Tom King, I believe, is that He's been very clear that he was in the CIA or consulted in the CIA and then got very disillusioned with the American government. And I think that's fine. Like, it doesn't affect his work because he has experience in this thing and has ultimately decided that's not something that he wants to be part of and he disagrees with a lot of the methods. He's allowed to use his experience and write about it like anybody else.
2: So you don't think it's a trap that... uh... The CIA is getting into comic books to uh, recruit uh, children. No, listen, I
0: read Wonder Woman number one. Yes, there was a blinking green light in the comic book and it started to track my movements. But I don't think those things are related. Okay, cool. Uh,
1: I I think like there was a lot of uh, talk about like him sort of needing to own up to his work in the CIA or like being a part of the CIA at a time where they were doing like uh, morally bad or slash ambiguous things, depending
2: on what you believe. But now they're totally clean and totally cool. Well, I mean,
1: that part hasn't come out. Present problems haven't come out yet until the future. Um, But I don't know. Like, it's hard to hang all of the CIA's crimes on one person. And especially a person who has come out and said, I left that because I don't like that. And now he has, is moving on and doing something else and, sure, drawing on his experience, but it's not like he's doing pro-CIA things. I think he's talking about institutions. He's talking about uh, PTSD. He's talking about a lot of feelings and things that I think he ha- that happened to him in his life there. And I think that's what any writer does.
2: Yeah. Pete, what do you think about this? You seem to
1: not want to talk about it, maybe.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't. But uh, I do think it makes a lot more sense knowing that about him because he does like keep information from you for like a big reveal at the end and maybe kind of trick you with what you think is happening to what actually is happening. Oh, so it makes you think he's sense. <laughs> you think he's running an op?
4: Yeah, he's yeah. running it's an op. He's been but... running
2: ops on us the whole time, and uh, yeah, it's really just pushing his patent uh, cat and bat agenda. Well, I mean, I'll throw
0: something out here, and this is 100% not throwing under the bus a guy that we like, but Philip Kennedy Johnson was in the Army, and he took that experience, and he writes through that experience often, like John Stewart, he's writing Green Lantern War Journal right now, and we talked to him about this at Baltimore, he's channeling some of that experience into the book, he's doing the same thing yep. with Action Comics, I think... Like you're saying, Justin, you use that experience. You don't have to agree with everybody's backstory or what they did. But, like, I don't know, particularly if they experience something and feel it's complicated and want to wrestle with those feelings emotionally and intellectually in a comic book. Great. I I think that makes them better and richer and more interesting. I would rather Edward Doherty
1: says Larry Hama, same.
0: Larry Hama. And so he was in G.I. Joe? Is that his backstory?
1: Yeah. He was, um, uh, right? Well, was his name in G.I. Joe, right, Pete? I'll <laughs> no, stop. The Why are you about? mad? Why are you mad? Because like. it bothers
2: me you don't know the names and don't like the names. That's Justin. Justin. That's his name
0: thing. His name was Carbon, okay? Because, like, Carbon and <laughs> a yeah. pencil, because
1: Whoa. that's what you used nice. to write. Good. Yeah, Carbon number two. Was that yeah. it, Pete? <laughs> Carbon number two.
0: Carbon number one was in Cobra.
1: Yeah. I'll definitely, uh, if we're dropping name corrections and live on the show, good to know. Yeah. yeah,
0: good to know. And it is good to know all of you for sending in all of your questions. So thank you for that.
1: We are going yeah, to move you. on
0: with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete the Page. Oh, man,
2: I don't know if that's a good idea, but let's do it anyway. Woohoo right, this is part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win 25 Three dollars uh, to Midtown Comics online because if you have twenty-five bucks, you get some comic books. Uh, so we just need a brave volunteer. Or do we already have one planned? Mm. Uh, if we do, we don't have one playing, if we
0: oh we have David Quinley says he'll do it. Yeah, David. So all, right. all right. All right. David, so you are going to drop your answers in the questions, not drop your answers, in the comments, excuse me, over on Uh, wherever you are,
2: YouTube, I assume. And uh, there you go. All right, today's trivia is on fun comic book facts and a respectful nod to Steve Harwell. RIP, you are an all-star. Okay, here we go. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go, question number one. In the late 80s, which DC comic book character served as the Iranian ambassador for the United Nations? Was it A, the Joker, B, Not a Rooster, or C, Michael Klooster? Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: A lot
1: mm-hmm. of options there. The
0: Joker was an Iranian Iranian ambassador?
2: That is correct, yes. And too bad your name isn't David Quinley, because otherwise I'd be able to move on. Well, assume uh, David you know, we said it,
0: but I feel like I need more explanation there. Uh, maybe I'll
1: a Question from like Edward Doherty. Can you give the G.I. Joe title to your co-host?
2: Mm. Ooh. Pete? Mm. Yeah, I liked how Justin's codename is classically trained. That's pretty fun. 100%. Yeah, act
1: my way. I'm the face
2: of. Yeah, you're the face man. Yeah, that's uh. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I, I thought it'd be fun to do kind of like fun facts uh, mm-hmm. uh, instead of news because, uh, you know, we have a news uh, thing that comes out every day, so I can't really compete with it. You know what yeah. I mean? Pete,
0: by the way, I just wanted to mention starting tomorrow on Comic Book Club News, we're going to be paying tribute to a dead celebrity episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool with you.
2: Okay, I this think is this a is a snake-eating-its-tail situation. All right, I'm trying yeah. to help you. and All you're doing is fucking me. All right, here we go. In the 1940s. There was Wait, a co-
1: David never answered the question.
2: Yeah, but we did for him and Edward Doherty uh, was nice enough to put it in there because maybe David uh, lost the internet for a little bit and hasn't been I would been think responding. David
1: would, we would want to have the person taking the quiz be at least It's fine.
2: Just move on. Little we'll we got it. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> question number 2. In the 1940s there was a comic book character called blank. Is it A green llama, B person who loves sitting out under the stars? Or C. Greg Camp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Feeling like there, we got an AA
0: situation
1: going on.
2: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: how Alcohol.
1: I guess Pete's GI Joe name would be too many hoodies. Is that an, <laughs>
2: Ooh, there's that? never too many. Hoodies. I feel
1: like I feel never like we talked about
0: this years ago. and Decided that we Pete's GI Joe name was garbage
2: plate. Is that yeah, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, that seems reasonable. Definitely. Okay. Um, or, uh, so how about sucking Anna?
2: Mm. no i think uh maybe um g plate uh, i i eat my feelings or uh <laughs> i uh, eat my feelings oh my god let's just <laughs> assume it's a we don't know what happened with david let's go to okay the great here we go last one marvel once did a what if where peter parker was bitten by a radioactive blank was it a a sheep b does mark serve bugs or c mark cervantes hmm mm,
0: this is a really hard one uh mm. what did they call him when he was bit by a
2: sheep pete Well, oh, that's uh that's uh that wasn't in there but uh yeah it would have been good if i looked it up
1: <laughs> spider spider mew mm. well whatever you put probably, spider, oh sheep. david's
0: back david says hey yeah he's uh, correct david. david there we go david's david Bag hard he lost the chat, but he is back in it, and he has won. David, shoot us an email, and we're going to get you a gift card to Midtown
2: Comics for twenty-five bucks. Pete, what's we're talking support? about the two thousand and one movie Rat Race, mm.
1: and so wait, you're and the person you're paying tribute to. Can you just shout out if people don't know the name? Because it's not as much of a the celebrity you're talking about is known for their name.
2: Well, uh, I think he was the lead singer of uh, Smash Mouth.
1: That's what I'm saying. I wanted you to say that. Well,
2: I gave hints to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. When you pay, uh,
0: Justin, calm down. When you pay tribute to a person, you don't provide any details about
1: them. Yeah, exactly. I look forward to Pete's eulogy at my funeral is going to be like, uh, just a m- half-mumbled sentence at the urinal in the bathroom. And the That's bedroom. right. And you <laughs> know what's
2: going to be great about it? Is people are going to come up to me and be like, hey, great job, man. You really did it."
1: Alex, good job. all I want you at my funeral is to just please ask for the secret Justin quiz. <laughs> <laughs> then you pop up. You just <laughs> I mean, yeah. you it's just a recording that gets played. Questions. Yeah, Like the Joker at the end of the original Batman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> eh, 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 eh.
0: Well, there you go. Congrats on that $25. Now, as we all know, new comic books coming out all the time. Tons of them coming out this week. What are you guys looking
2: forward to, Pete? There's a ton of stuff that I can't wait to talk to you guys about. Maleficent, number five, I'm very excited to talk about. Also, Mm. Invincible Iron Man, number 10, as well as Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War, Red Hood, number one. Hmm. Justin, what about wow. you? What about you? What are you excited for? What about you?
1: <laughs> about you? Uh, I agree. There is a lot of su- stuff coming out. And Do you think
2: maybe there's too much, Justin? Do you think there's too much? I would or? never
1: say okay. that because <laughs> I, uh, I guess I love comics. <laughs> most, um, of anyone here? I mean... I will Wait, say
2: You say you love comics more than me and Alex, is that what you're trying to we say? We could right never now?
1: prove that. We could never prove that. Or we should find a way to prove that. Or yeah, maybe
2: we look into who takes the most care of the comic books and that's a way to tell because not that ain't you. That ain't you, bro.
1: And I wish I could show you the comics at my feet. I um, see a I'm stack gonna...
2: of rubble behind you that breaks my fucking heart.
1: Uh, those guys, they're hanging yeah. out. Yeah. They're great. That's not rubble. They're bagged and boarded, dog. Uh Doesn't I look give like it a... it. <laughs> who they are. Uh, i got to give it up to What's the Furthest Place from Here, number 14. Great book. This comic is uh, just a wild ride every week, and it feels like the world is starting to sort of tighten up in a great way. I'm excited about it. I also want to shout out Action Comics, number 1057. Uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson is really bringing the heat.
0: Yeah, I would say the stuff that I was most excited about that's coming out this week. I the, agree
2: with you with the action comics by The way.
0: Flash number one from DC Comics, always interested to check out a new run on that. And Miracle Man the Silver Age number six. Very mm. curious to see yeah. where this story is going. And of course, Mark Buckingham, always fantastic on art. And folks wait before we go shout out to mind,
1: mind grenade studios in the comments fourth member of comic book club was quiet this episode shout out to the cricket yeah <laughs> the cricket that haunted last week's stack we'll see if oh, it, he's only a stack guest we'll see if he pops back up
0: We'll see. All right. Oh, my uh, my G.I. Joe name is Slackbot.
1: Yeah. I can that. Yeah, that's back. hilarious. That's great. Transform great. and roll out. Slackbot, that's what I always say. <laughs> Slackbot, classically trained, and garbage play. Always yeah. here, ready to serve. That's right. Not great in the battle situation. <laughs> <laughs> All,
0: All right. right. Joe. That is it for this week's show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Jared Keane, PhD, yes. for coming on to talk about Hammer of the Dogs, now in stores everywhere. Also, Patrick McDonald for the Superheroes Journey from Abrams Books, also available so cool. in stores everywhere. Next week, we're going to have a bunch of guests on the show. Richard Pace will be here to talk about Coven, a book about 100 Witches. Laurie Foster will be back to talk about Heart Eater. And Camerish Johnson, who you might know best as Luke Fox from Batwoman, who is also the Ooh. writer of Tower will be here Ooh. to talk about Tower. So there you cool. go the comic. A yes. couple of other things to plug Scott Pilgrim versus the podcast. Our spot, Scott Pilgrim podcast is taking a trek back through the books before the Netflix show. Very, comic very book fun. club Destroy news, as net, mentioned. Huh? every day of the week with comic book club news right seems in, like too in your much years it's and it is Just, uh sons of a our dc podcast you can check that out marvel vision our marvel podcast patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do don't forget to subscribe on apple android spotify or the app of your choice at comic book live on twitter slash x comic book club live on instagram and tiktok comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more until next time good night no Go podcast
1: shows
0: Hey, everybody, we just wanted to give you a shout out here to let you know that podcasting and drinking isn't cool. Sure, we do it here on the show, but it can be dangerous and it's not something you want to get involved in. Until next time,
3: transform and roll out. The more you know.